You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. All right, we're going to jump right in. Anybody need a Milky Way? Anybody miss out on a candy? Brinley? There you go. Come on. Come on. Pastors Matt and Loren Tuggle, thank you for letting me speak. Love you guys so much. My beautiful wife is here on the second row, Lauren Nicole Day, looking more gorgeous than ever. And my sister is here today, my sister Taryn, one of the sweetest, kindest, most giving people in all of Salt Lake Valley. I promise you that. All right. Today's going to be like drinking from a fire hose. Are you guys ready? I'm telling you, there is a shift happening in this city. The Bible describes the apostles as those that turned the world upside down. And I'm telling you, here today, Awaken Church, Salt Lake City, we are turning this place upside down in the name, or should I say right side up, right side up. I wouldn't, I don't want to say happy Halloween because that's just kind of weird to say, but happy Sunday. Today is Halloween though. And, um, you know, I, I want to just really quick, I just want to just, I don't know, some, there's a thing in Christianity where people uh, believe that Halloween originated as a Christian holiday. Uh, it didn't. It didn't. Um, the Catholic Church at one point took a holiday that was called Samhain, which was a Celtic festival. People would light bonfires and they would, wa- they would wear costumes to ward off ghosts. That was Samhain. And November 1st, November 1st was actually the Celtic New Year. And so on October 31st, the Celts believed that that night, which is their New Year's Eve, Halloween, that the boundary between the world of the living and the world of the dead became blurred. And on that night, they would have access into the spiritual realm like they didn't have any other time of year. When I read that, I was really grateful that in Jesus, I have access to the spirit realm at any point in time. I can come boldly to the throne of God to obtain grace and mercy. But then the Catholic Church tried to Christianize it and um, did All Saints Day and All Hallows Eve. And, but it started out as a pagan holiday. So, so you know. Yeah, there you go. Now you know. The title of my message today is Know Your Enemy. Know Your Enemy. And I felt like I was really happy when Pastor Matt Tuggle asked me to preach on Halloween because uh, today's a good day. Um, not for the devil, actually. It's going to be a really bad day for Satan. The purpose of my message today is to demystify the devil. 
I want to demystify the devil. I want you all to feel less like you're fighting against a mystical force and more like you know who and what you're up against. The concept of knowing your enemy isn't a new concept. It's been around for a long time. Uh, Actually, let's just go ahead and throw up this quote from Sun Tzu in The Art of War. I love the scripture uh, that says, by wise counsel, wage war. We're all called to wage war if you didn't know that. You got to have some wise people around you. That's why you come to church. That's why you get into a connect group. Sun Tzu says this, if you know the enemy, if you know the enemy, the title of my message is Know Your Enemy. If you know the enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. And if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you'll, you'll succumb in every battle. That's Sun Tzu. It's not the Bible. It's just Sun Tzu. But I think there's a lot of truth to that. The concept of knowing your enemy, it's not a new concept. You think about it in sports. I kind of went off on this in the 9 a.m. I don't feel the same level of passion in this service. I'll just say this. If you're a parent of a child in sports, you don't need to film the other team, study their game film during the week, and yell at the referees at game time, okay? Wait till they're at least in high school to go crazy and lose your mind. Knowing your enemy relates in sales, sales, knowing what you're up against, knowing your competition, knowing your enemy relates in military, understanding their strategy, how the enemy would work, uh, and in dating, in dating, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, if you have your eye on a beautiful lady, there's probably going to be at least another one or two guys that also have their eye on that beautiful lady, so you need to know your enemy so you can take them out. Listen, there's nothing wrong with breaking an ankle or two. Maybe. No pun intended, Kelsey. (laughs) Hey, healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. You are healed, Kelsey. I love Chad and Kelsey Keddington. Anybody else love them? I feel like I just talk and could get myself in trouble. Yeah. So if you're going to know your enemy in all those different areas, uh, how much more important in the spirit realm to know what you're up against? This is the feeling I want all of us to leave uh, with today. I want you to leave with a feeling of confidence, empowerment, and clarity. So imagine this, imagine this, imagine tomorrow that each of you know that you're about to go and get in a street fight. You are going to get in a street fight tomorrow. It probably would be a feeling of nervousness that would rise up, right? Well, I don't know what I'm up against. Am I going to win? Am I going to lose? Am I going to look great? Am I going to look foolish? Am I going to live? Am I, what's going to happen? But you are getting in a street fight tomorrow. You're concerned about it, concerned about it. It'd be helpful to know your enemy in that case, right? If you got some insight into who you were going to be fighting tomorrow because you're getting in a street fight, that would be helpful information to know what you're up against. 
So then imagine that I, I come to you and I tell you that your opponent is actually an eight-year-old child and the U.S. military will be there to help you win. That is the feeling that I want you to leave here today with as it relates to knowing your enemy and what you're up against from a spiritual perspective. I want you to know everything I'm going to say about Satan today is going to come from the Bible. We're not getting off into crazy demonology and all sorts of stuff. Because most of that stuff honestly has been designed by the devil himself to cause you to be afraid and isn't even reality. But if it's in the Bible, God wants us to know it. It's very clear. It says, do not be ignorant of the devil's devices. So let me pray. Jesus, I thank you that your kingdom is coming. Your will is being done in this place. Right now, Father, over every heart, over every mind, I speak clarity, God, and just an open heaven today to see how you see. God, take us from that place of fear and and uncertainty and confusion about who our enemy is, God, to a place of confidence, empowerment, and clarity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Are you ready to drink from a fire hose? All right. Quit. Thirsty. I feel like that has another meeting in today. Okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Pastor Matt is thirsty, Pastor Loren. <laughs> Just, okay. Religion is gone, yeah. All right, I'm going to answer some questions today. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to answer some questions today. Listen, they haven't ordained me as a pastor for a reason. Okay. <laughs> The first question I want to answer is, who is Satan? Who is Satan? The purpose here is to know your enemy so that we can whoop him up. Okay? Who is Satan? First thing I want to do is dispel three myths. I think consciously or subconsciously we may have about the devil. There's three characteristics of God that are only of God. They could never be assigned to someone else. They could never be assigned to something else. They're only of God. And those three characteristics are the omnipresence of God, the omniscience of God, and the omnipotence of God. What's crazy is I feel like the devil can come and try to get us to think that he is those things, right? Omnipresence. There's a lot of people that just feel like, man, like Satan, Satan is everywhere, right? He's everywhere, right? He's in the drum kit, except for when Gabriel Thielen is playing, Right? He, he's under a rock. He's, he's, he's with your mother-in-law, right? Like there's people that feel like Satan is just everywhere. 
I saw a couple, a couple of the guys clapping. Just word of advice, like, don't do that. Like, when we talk about mother-in-laws, just keep it to yourself. I love my mother-in-law, though. Kathy, if you're listening, I didn't, that was not towards you. You're one of the best. Satan is not omnipresent. God is. The omniscience of God, that means all-knowing. That means all-knowing. Satan is not all-knowing. He doesn't know everything happening. He doesn't know what is taking place in this room right here today because his demons that are maybe around somewhere in the vicinity, they're definitely not in here because they're terrified of awakened church in this place. They're definitely not in here, but he's not omniscient. He doesn't know every word you speak. He doesn't know every thought you think. He doesn't know everything you do. God does. Satan is not omniscient. God is. And the third thing, third characteristic, Satan is not omnipotent. Omnipotent means all-powerful. God is, Satan's on a leash. He is on a leash. When he attacked Job, he had to present himself. It said, on the day that the sons of God presented themselves to the Lord, right? Like they're subject to him. It says that Satan also came among them. And God says, where have you been? So Satan is on a leash and he's accountable to God. He is not omnipotent. God is. God is all powerful. You need to know that. The name Satan means in the Old Testament opponent. Almost like life is a game and he's the one that you're destined to crush. It kind of reminds me of what God said in the Garden of Eden, that he may bruise your heel, but what are we going to do? Crush his head. Crush his head. It's not a game, because there's a lot of really bad, dark things that happen, but there's a degree that maybe the opponent was left in the garden so that we would have someone to display God's glory through defeating on a daily basis. In the New Testament, the devil is called, the, the word Satan means accuser. So in the Old Testament, it's opponent. In the New Testament, it's accuser. And I think that's one of the greatest things that the enemy will do in our lives is he'll bring accusation, right? Oh, well, you did this. I, like, like I, do, you, do you think I feel worthy to stand up here and preach? No, of course not. But I know that my righteousness and my right standing with God comes through what Jesus did and Jesus alone and nothing the devil could say about what I've done yesterday, last year, when I was a kid, changes what Jesus did for me. He's also called Lucifer in the Bible. Most of you have probably heard that name. The Bible only uses it one time. So the point of that is it's not something that you need to think a lot about. It says it once. So no, maybe a bit of history, but it's not something to emphasize or anything like that. It's used once. The name Lucifer means morning star. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. It says this, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. You are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. 
I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. Side note. If your belief system has a goal of trying to be like God, just based on this text from the book of Isaiah, you might want to reconsider that. Okay, moving on. The other place you see Lucifer prior to becoming Satan is in the book of Ezekiel chapter 28. It says this, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. The king of Tyre here is used as a prophetic picture of the devil. We know that because of the description that's about to follow. And say to him, thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sargius, if I pronounce that correctly, the topaz and diamond, beryl, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. So the picture that we have here is one of an absolutely magnificent being. The seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. It's almost as if God is describing something that he actually was really proud of making, if I could say it like that. Don't get me wrong, but God, God knew that the devil was going to fall. Right, the Bible says Jesus Christ was slain before the foundations of the world. But there's still a reality here where you can, for me, when I read the Bible, I can sense the emotion of it to a degree of, of the creator and what he created, the seal of perfection. It's strong language there. What I want to point out, though, here is something that, honestly, uh, it kind of breaks my heart. And I don't even know how this is going to help the purpose of this message. But I want to point this out. Um, because it's interesting. And sometimes interesting things can be inspiring and sometimes inspiring things can change our lives. The word, uh, when it talks about the king of Tyre, the word Tyre means rock. Tyre means rock. So king of rock, talking about uh, Satan, Lucifer in the garden. If you dig uh, deeper into that word, it actually means a sharp stone or a knife. If you look at the word where it says you were the anointed cherub, which is an angel who covers, that word covers actually means to protect. So there's a picture here where I think about it. Lucifer was designed as a form of protection in heaven. That may have been for God himself. That may have been, but it was a covering, protecting being that was created that was the seal of perfection. And then the name means a knife. And I just feel like the heart of God to a degree, uh, without saying it, um, is letting us know that 
God was essentially backstabbed by Lucifer to a degree. So it's no wonder that you see the wrath that God has against the devil as such a big thing. Maybe it wasn't just the fact that he was so prideful. Oh, you want to be like me? You know, get out of here, you stupid angel. Maybe it wasn't just that. Maybe there was actually a degree of a heartbreaking. Maybe, maybe. Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. Goes on to say, I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. Pastor Matt, that seems like a pretty amazing place. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within. Side note, that word trading there, it's actually talking about traveling and trade and merchandise. And really, it makes me think about the marketplace, Tony. And why in today's, uh, in our church, what God is doing through awakened pathfinders is so powerful because the devil, although he thought that his trading and his finances, he used that to funnel into the kingdom of darkness. God is flipping that through the marketplace in the church to begin to see finances and prosperity begin to funnel into the kingdom of God. You sinned. I cast you out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery storms. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. You need to know, like, God is describing the devil as this magnificent being, but it was very easy for him, apparently, to just get rid of him when he needed to. I laid you before kings. They might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. It goes on. God really kicked the devil's butt um, at this point. So here's a couple points what you, I want us to walk away with to know. Number one, Satan is a created being. He's a created being. He's not eternal. Satan was created as an angel. He was created as an angel. He's not God's equal. He's not something special or different. He was an angel that made a decision to rebel, to be like the most high. And in doing so, he took one third of the angels with him. So that's actually really good news for us. We can talk a lot about demons, which I want to simplify again. Knowing your enemy is very powerful. If you're walking around trying to deal with spiritual warfare, thinking the devil, the devil wants us to be confused. He wants us to be confused. There's evil spirits. There's unclean spirits. There's principalities. There's powers. There's fallen angels. So how do I fight against all these different types of things? We're going to simplify it. And this is the truth from God's word. All that a demon is, is one third of the angels that God created that made a decision to rebel with Lucifer and was cast down to the earth. And now God has created a lake of fire for Satan and his angels. End of story. End of story. So don't be confused when it comes to the demonic realm. 
It's just an angel that made a very bad decision. And you've been given all authority to trample, to crush the head of, to rebuke in Jesus' name. And that's good news. So the other good news is that two-thirds of the angels are still on our side. You think about that. So we are the majority, church. We are the majority. There are more that are with us than that are against us. The second question, why is he so angry? Right? Why is he so angry? I thought about that. I'm like, he knows he loses. So why, why is he so mad about it? I mean, he'd be mad for maybe 200 years, but it's been a long time. He's just still mad. I, I, nothing in the Bible specifically describes, but I have some thoughts on that. Number one, he lost a great battle and was kicked out of heaven. So now he's eternally disappointed because he got his butt kicked. Okay. Um, it says this in Revelation 12, and we'll just go straight to, I want to say it's like verse 12 maybe, guys. But it says, uh, Rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. Pastor Jurgen talked about this. Best preacher on the planet, Pastor Jurgen Matesius. It says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. So he lost, he got kicked out of heaven, and he's mad about it. The second reason why I think he might be so angry is the Bible says in the book of Genesis that God put enmity. It says that God put enmity. Genesis 3, verse 15. God put enmity between Satan and the woman. When the devil tempted Satan, the devil tempted Satan. When Satan tempted Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden, and it was all found out, and they fell, and the Bible says in Genesis, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Enmity means hostility. It's also translated as hatred. So I think that there's a degree where um, for the purpose of the church demonstrating the glory of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God, the magnificent beauty of God, he allowed the enemy to remain. Like in the book of Judges, when the children of Israel entered the promised land. And the Bible says that God left some of the enemies, I'm paraphrasing people, left some of the enemies in the land so that the future generations would learn war. I think there's a degree where it says God put enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the devil, that he was left so that his kids, the church, would have somebody to fight, to learn to war, to learn to use the name of Jesus, to learn to lift up the high praises of God on the planet so that the magnificent beauty, wisdom, glory, power of the eternal God might be demonstrated. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Why else is he mad? Man is made in God's image. Listen, when he sees you, you look like God. You remind him every single day of his life of how he was defeated, 
of who he tried to be like that he never will be like and of his eternal destiny of judgment in the lake of fire. You remind him of that. The devil also hates God and knows God loves man. The greatest way that the devil can now hurt God is to hurt man. It's as simple as that. There's some other reasons I think he's mad. He thought he could get Jesus to sin in the wilderness. He couldn't. (laughs) He thought he could kill God on the cross. He didn't. The devil wanted to be like the most high. He got kicked out. But then Jesus, who he thought he defeated, actually made a way for humans to get to heaven. (laughs) Like, it's just bad. It's bad news. Like, this did not go the way I thought it would. You ever had, you know, something in life, it didn't go how you planned? Yeah, the devil is the ultimate story of that. (laughs) Let's talk about another question. What does he do? I think we know this. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10 says that. He lies, he tempts, he accuses, he deceives, he causes fear, he fascinates. There's a cool word. I, should, I won't forget to do that. This, so remind me to talk about fascination, Pastor Matt. Okay. Um, but what does he do? He does this, uh, these things. The good news is, is all of these things he brings against us, we have a choice in how we respond. There's nothing the enemy can bring against you where you're helpless. There's nothing. There's no, the only thing he can do is lie, accuse, tempt, deceive, all of those. I'm telling you, if, you're me- if you meditate on the word of God, it's all Jesus did. The devil brought his attack in the wilderness. Jesus didn't go crazy. He didn't jump up and down the stage like a worship leader hyped up on Red Bull, speaking to myself. He simply used the Bible three times. It is written, it is written. It is written. If you're trying to fight Satan by any other means than the word of God, I would just encourage you to make your life a lot easier. Just simplify things for yourself. There's a scripture I love in the book of Galatians. It says this. This is not in my notes. Paul says to the Galatians, I'm concerned for you. Lest the devil complicate, I'm paraphrasing again, Just like he deceived Eve, I'm concerned that the devil is complicating the simplicity that is found in Jesus. I'm telling you, church, your victory, your conquering, your dominion, your authority, your breakthrough, your next level, everything and more that you want to achieve, your calling, your destiny, the will of God for your life, It's a lot simpler than you might be making it. Maybe. Fascination. The word dragon, when the book of Revelation talks about that great dragon was cast to the earth. The word dragon, do you know what it means? Anybody? It actually means a fabulous kind of serpent. Perhaps as supposed to fascinate. So the next time you go to Vegas, 
and you see the lights and everything going on, that is the intention of hell, is to get people fascinated with the kingdom of darkness. But the truth is, behind the fascination is a vicious snake who's come down with great wrath to destroy. The other thing I want to mention briefly, I started this study, Know Your Enemy, because I wanted to answer some of these questions. Like, why is the devil so angry? Because for me, it's helpful to know my enemy. Because that's the life I live. I live a life where I want to follow God's will and see his kingdom come. So this has been helpful for me. You look at Revelation chapter 12. I'm going to try to make this quick. But when the Bible says the devil has come down with great wrath, that word wrath means passion. You dig a little deeper. Is this okay, everybody? You're all so quiet. No, I know it's good. Because God gave it to me. And it's from his word. I told the last service, every good idea I've ever had has come from the Bible. But the word wrath, it means passion. If you dig deeper, it actually means to sacrifice by fire or to slaughter for any purpose. So if, probably preaching to the choir, but if there's ever been a question whether or not abortion is of the devil, you need to know that in the very root of the word that describes how he has come from heaven to earth means to sacrifice by fire all these pagan religions sacrificing people and to slaughter for any purpose. It can take away all the gray area. Do you, are you following me? And for me, that's helpful because now I know my enemy. I'm like, okay, well, that's who you are. That's who you are. So what should I do? What should I do? Okay. Number one, recognize the real battle. We, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. As, as good as it sometimes feels for me to say, let's go, Brandon. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. It feels good. But it's probably not that effective, truthfully. Right? Because we, we do not war according to the flesh. And church, you need to know that. That behind everything going on right now in planet earth that is crazy, corrupt, wicked, vile, controlling, behind it all is an evil spirit with a demonic agenda to steal, kill, and destroy. Paul goes on to say, so the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of these strongholds. What are these weapons? 
These weapons are very simple. Again, Paul said, I don't want you to be deceived from the simplicity that's in Christ. The simplicity that's in Christ. The weapons, break it down. Prayer, the Bible, and worship. Prayer, the Bible, and worship. If you do prayer, the Bible, and worship, most days of your life, I'm telling you, you're going to see strongholds, struggles, addictions, generational lines of curses and struggles. You'll see them broken. Prayer, the Bible, worship. Prayer, the Bible, worship. It's very simple to defeat the devil. Rob, should we do it? Should we do it, Rob? Okay, two seconds. I literally, I have eight notes. I actually made it to page five so far this time. This is great. Um, The other thing it says, what can we do? Put on the armor of God. Okay, let me get through these. Take authority. You have it. Walk in obedience. It's your choice. Use the Bible. Already said that. Have faith. Don't fear. I wanted to spell something as well, real quick. Um, Again, going back to the devil being uh, omnipresent everywhere at all times. Going back to that. um, There's a lot of people that feel like, hey, you know, the devil can hear my words. So I say something to Pastor Andy, like I've got a carne asada addiction. Okay. Then the devil heard that statement and now he's going to use, I know this is silly. My, my carne asada addiction against me. So I, I live in fear thinking, oh, I, I better be careful what I say. I better be careful what I talk about because man, if, if the devil or one of his demons, if they hear me, oh, so then that, what does that do? That shuts you down. That shuts down authenticity. Here's the scripture. Why you don't have to be afraid of that. Colossians 3.3 3 says this, for you died encouraging And your life is hidden with Christ in God. I believe that when the devil goes looking for Pastor Andy, he actually can't even necessarily see him. Your life is hidden with God in Christ. I believe he sees Jesus. I believe he sees Jesus. I believe there's a covering. There's a hiding for those of us that are in Christ So you don't need to be afraid of those types of things. Pastors, should I, should I end or should we do the demonstration? Okay. All right. So what, what should I do? And when it talks about the armor of God, that's one of the big things in the book of Ephesians. It says, above all, take up the shield of faith that you may be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. So I'd like to invite my good friend Rob, if we can give him a hand to the stage. Savannah, if you can bring the goodies. Okay. We're going to make this quick. One of the names 
I'm going to wait to put on my wig. I learned this last time. Otherwise, you guys aren't going to take me seriously for the next few minutes. One of the names of the devil in the Bible is Beelzebub. And the name Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies, Lord of the Flies. Sounds pretty scary, right? If you ran into someone in a dark alley, right, next weekend, and they're, and they're like, I'm the Lord of the Flies. You just be like, that's gross and weird, but I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. So when the book of Ephesians talks about that the enemy is throwing fiery darts at you, and that we're to take up the shield of faith. I think that's as simple as really, again, using the word of God. Using the word of God. Putting your faith in Jesus. Putting your faith in the words that he spoke. Rather than your own mental exercises. Your own positive thinking. Whatever that may be. Put your faith in the word of God. So I have a question for Rob. Rob, do you want to be Beelzebub? Or do you want to be the Christian? He wants to be the Christian. Okay. So Rob, Rob, you're going to take up your shield of faith. Okay. Do you want to touch it and make sure it works? No, no, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. All right. Rob knows how this works. We did this last year. Okay. Rob is going to be the Christian and I'm going to be Beelzebub. It is Halloween. How do I look, babe? Yeah. Okay. I can put this on again later if you want. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. So listen. Just like I talked about the eight-year-old kid that wants to street fight you, and you've got the U.S. military behind your back, I want this next interaction to uh, be a picture that is seared into your mind of the battle when it says, above all, take up the shield of faith that you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Devin, can we cue the song? And then we're going to end the service. All right, why don't we stand to our feet? Come on, on that note, stand to our feet. Again, the purpose of today's message was to bring confidence, empowerment, and clarity. Does anybody feel a little bit more confident, empowered, and clarity today? Awesome. All right, so this is what we're going to do. Antonio, you can play something just nice and pretty behind me. Why don't we close our eyes?
and turn. Don't turn anywhere. Just close your eyes. I'm turning. In the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 38, it says this. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good. Good things are from God. Bad things are not. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So here's the call. First of all, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never met him, um, there's a wonderful gentleman in our church, Ted. Ted, if you can raise your hand. Okay. If you want to meet Jesus or come back to Christ and meet that king, meet that dominant ruler, meet the one who defeated hell, death, made a public spectacle. You want to meet that life-giving creator of heaven and earth and of yourself? I want you to come forward and talk to Ted at the end of the service. The Bible says that Jesus healed all who were oppressed by the devil. So today, the Bible says if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, that he'll exalt you. So a moment of humility, maybe, but I'm telling you, there's areas in my life, first service, after I did this altar call, I went forward and had Pastor Rich pray for me. And I said, there's this area where I feel like the devil's oppressing me and I want more freedom. Okay, so listen, this is, this is, for everyone. If there's any area, why don't we close our eyes? Everybody close your eyes. If there's any area in your life from what you may consider small to really big and crazy, as the worship team comes up, warriors, if there's any area in your life and you feel like the devil has been oppressing you, something you've been dealing with. Today is the day to stop just dealing with the devil and get some business done here at the altar so you can walk out of here in a greater level of freedom than you've ever experienced. So if you felt in any way, maybe this message stirred some things up. Maybe your perspective of Satan has been uh, misconstrued and you've thought he's bigger and powerful and whatever it may be, but you know that there's room for freedom. There's room for a greater level of confidence, empowerment, and clarity. With everyone's eyes closed, please, if you don't mind, just put your hand in the air. Everybody's eyes are closed. Signal heaven. Signal heaven. You know there's an area, thoughts, your body, your business, whatever that may be. You know there's an area where you could walk in a greater level of freedom. This is what I'm going to do. You can put your hands down. Thank you all. This is what I'm going to do. We're about to close the service. I'm going to ask the ministry team in just one minute to come forward. They're going to be wearing badges. They're here to pray. Church, let's turn this room. Okay, Devin is going to turn on just some nice, slow, atmospheric worship music. We're going to turn this room into an altar. 
We're going to turn this room into a place of transformation. The ministry team's going to be here to pray. It doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be heavy. You come forward. You say, I've been having these thoughts. There's this issue in my body. I've got this family, whatever it may be, any level of oppression. Church, you do not have to put up with any level of the enemy's influence in your life. So why don't we put our hands in the air, everybody's hands in the air, and I'm going to pray, and then the ministry team's going to come forward, Devin's going to put on some music, and I want to ask that you would come forward and allow our ministry team to pray for you. So Jesus, today, I thank you, Father, God, that your word tells us everything that we need to know about the enemy. Your word shows us who he is. Your word shows us how he works. Your word shows us what we're supposed to do about him. God, in your word declares the final end of Satan and the glorious victory of Jesus Christ and his church. So Father, right now over every life, God, in the name of Jesus, under the authority, Father, of heaven, God, in alignment with, God, the pastoral chain of command in this house, Father, all the way up to Jesus Christ himself, we take authority over the devil. Every demonic thing, every demonic lie, every wicked thing. God, on Halloween day, the day that the devil thought he was going to keep us down, on the day the devil thought he was going to make us afraid, God, we are flipping the script and we declare, Satan, you are rebuked. Enemy, you are defeated. In the name of Jesus Christ and all of heaven's warriors, shout. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.